0: Welcome back to the Wheel Takes Silly Podcast. I'm Nick, very unfamiliar voice for everybody listening. Um, I am back at this spring break. um, So I decided to do episodes during this week while I had the time. Uh, I know Andy's been telling you guys that I've been busy with school, and I have been. So um, I decided, you know, if I'm going to have a spring break, I might as well do an episode uh, and just so that way the fans could hear me and know where. I'll be at in the future. Um, So I just really wanna quickly say that when the playoffs start, I will definitely be be doing episodes with Andy. Uh, That is my plan. It'll still be during the school year, but I think I'll be able to manage at that point because by the time the playoffs roll around, I'll pretty much be wrapping up uh, school. So I won't have to worry about that so much. Um, At the same time though, uh, when the playoffs come around, I cannot wait. I'm very excited to record those episodes. I will also be doing an episode with Andy this week uh, for a weekly supplement, so I'll join him for one of his weekly supplements. Uh, Without further ado, though, this episode will be about the Heritage Classic. Um, I did watch the game. Uh, It was a Sunday game, outdoor game, between Toronto and Buffalo. Um, Going into it, uh, it was played at Tim Hortons Field, home of the Hamilton uh, Tiger Cats, which is a Canadian football league team. Um, the Sabres were somehow the home team in that game. I don't quite get why they were, um, I looked it up on Google maps. Buffalo is about like an hour and 20 minutes away from Hamilton and Toronto is about an hour away from Hamilton. So the distance to me didn't make sense. The fact that it was in Canada and not a US, uh, city didn't make sense to me, but whatever Buffalo is the home team. And we're moving on from that. Um, The total attendance for the game was actually a a pretty good amount. It was 26,119 attendees to the game. Um, There was a lot of buildup to this game, I think, uh, especially for Toronto. They had been struggling going into this game. Uh, In their last 10 games, they were 5-3-2. And And some of the uh, losses that they endured for that uh, record of 5-3-2, they lost to the Sabres uh, previously. They also lost to Columbus in that they lost to actually the 10th game. So that was way back in February on the 21st. That was Montreal. They lost five to two. Uh, And then, of course, you had the just wild 17 goal game between Toronto and Detroit, where they gave up seven against Detroit, but ended up winning 10 to seven. That was an absolutely just messy game. Uh, And then the game right before the Heritage Classic. Uh, Toronto loses to Arizona in overtime. So, like I said, their record was a a lot better than Buffalo in their last 10. Um, Buffalo was three and seven in, that in their last 10 prior to the heritage classic, their wins came against, um, Toronto, uh, Minnesota and, uh, Vegas. So real quickly, Buffalo, I think going into the heritage classic had a lot more momentum than Toronto. Um, uh, like I said, Toronto was coming off of just losing to Arizona in OT. Um, and I actually, so I actually watched that game and in overtime, uh, when Arizona was, it was the play right before they scored the goal, there was a turnover, I think. And I forget who on Arizona, but they're skating, the, they're skating the puck up and they kind of interfere with Matthews to steal it from him. And then they bring it up the ice and they eventually score. And Matthews just starts, you know, heckling the ref. Like, you know, why didn't you call that? That was clearly interference. Um, You know, yada, yada, yada. So his frustration was going into this game. I think uh, even though he's the goal goal leader in the NHL, um, it's still frustrating for a player like him to be that successful, have such a great season, but his team is possibly – you know, for as good as the Leafs are, I don't think they're a bad team this season. They've obviously had their woes, but um they're they're a pretty good team and they're definitely struggling. So they're they're about to go from third place in the Atlantic to possibly the first slash second wild card, depending on how things go for the rest of them. Um they'll definitely make the playoffs, so I don't think they have to worry about that. But it's a matter of can they be third in the division or will they be a wild card this season is the only you know, what's the only up in the air for them. So heading into the, the heritage classic, I think that that sort of was in the back of Matthew's mind because there's a future event that happens that I think he really crosses the line. And I think everybody knows what I'm, I'm mentioning now, but we'll, we'll save that for later for when it happens. Buffalo on the other hand was coming off of that Vegas win when they beat uh, the Knights three to one, it was Eichel's return to uh, Buffalo. And of course, he had something to say about the crowd after the game, um, you know, saying that for for this, you know, for as loud as they were, it took them seven years to be loud and it took him to leave for them to be that loud. Uh, he certainly had a lot to say against the organization. Um, Greg did mention it in our uh, group chat, and I'd have to agree with him. This wasn't a perspective I looked at, but uh, I didn't like the jab he took at the fans, Um I know that being Eichel and, and being with the Sabers for seven years, you you saw a decline in attendance by the fans, but I think that that was solely uh, a retaliation to management, specifically the Pagulas, who ha- I think have poorly mismanaged Buffalo, um, and we've mentioned their previous, you know, flaws. So I won't go into it too deep, but you know, the fans aren't big fans of the Pagulas. And neither was Jack Eichel while he was going through that whole neck surgery issue where, you know, management didn't want him to get the surgery because they felt it was too risky. But he obviously wanted to get the surgery so he can get back to playing. Um, And eventually he went to Vegas because they were a team that was going to allow him to get the surgery. So, again, Buffalo had momentum, even though they weren't the best team going into this game. Uh, And it definitely transpired. Uh, this, This game... Saw Anderson versus Marazic in net. Uh, And just a quick note on both the goalies. uh, Marazic is now the starter for the Leafs until Jack Campbell comes back from his injury. Um, And he hadn't been playing well going into this uh, game. He hadn't been. He really hasn't been playing well since the New Year struck, uh, because for whatever reason, since the New Year struck, uh, both the Leafs goaltenders, Campbell and Marazic, have been the worst duo in the NHL. Which is really surprising to me, considering that there's teams like Arizona, even Buffalo themselves, in Columbus. You know, those teams I felt like I would have expected to have worse goaltending than the uh, than the Leafs, but it's it's the Leafs duo of Campbell and Morazic that has certainly struggled. Uh, and then a quick note on Anderson. I don't know what it is about the Sabers, um, but for whatever reason, they seem to always play better, more organized when they're in front of Anderson. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because he's a veteran. You know, he's an older guy. People look up to him because they respect him, but for whatever reason, they, they play better when Anderson's in that and, you know, spoiler alert, it transcended that way, but going into the first period, um, you know, it's, I don't think there's nerves for either team when there's an outdoor game. I think there's obviously the, you know, there's points on the line here, but when you're playing in an outdoor game, it's it's a hell of an experience for the players. So for them to, you know, get nerves, I don't think is necessarily a, a thing, though I can understand with Buffalo being such a young team, they're being nerves. Um, so the first period kind of um, went a little bit unexpected. The, the Sabres, I thought, had a re- really good chances in the first Um, they were really pushing Toronto, uh, Toronto seemed like they were kind of against the wall for a bit. Um, I was reading a review the other day and I think Buffalo had the first six shots of this game. Uh, and that was about maybe six minutes in, um, and, and Toronto picked it up after that, but Buffalo definitely had a good showing in that first period. And Buffalo really had a, uh, had a grip on this game early, which I think was very important, um, because Looking at the Leafs record when they score first, they're 25-4-2 and two when scoring first. So if you're Buffalo, you obviously don't want them to score first uh, because that basically transcends into you're going to lose the game. Um, so they had a great first period. They kept the Leafs to zero goals, which was good, but they also didn't get a goal themselves. So, you know, the only, the only upsetting part was maybe, hey, we didn't cash in on any of our chances. But you know the second period though was was definitely more action packed. The second period had very quick scoring. So unlike the first, there was very quick scoring. Uh, just 41 seconds into the game, I think. Sorry, 41 seconds into the second. Let me just double check that real quick. Uh, t- Toronto scores, and it was a, it was very quick. Like I said, it was a uh, it was right as soon as the period start started practically, and you know the 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 Toronto Maple Leafs when scoring first are really good. They're almost unbeatable when they're score when they score first. I could also be wrong about this stat, but um, I also heard that that twenty five four and two record is either second best or third best in the league for a team that scores first. That's the second best or third best. I do want to say it's second best. I think first, the first place record for a team that scores first would be uh, Colorado or Carolina. I forget which, but uh, the Leafs are a great team when they scored first, and they they do so in this game. But 41 seconds later, Krebs, Peyton Krebs, from the uh, Sabers, ends up scoring and tying the game. And I thought that to give up such a quick goal against the uh, after you just scored was maybe a sign, you know, like, I don't know how well anybody watches the leaves. I don't know how well they hold a lead, but I really thought that they could hold that lead for a little longer, definitely longer than 41 seconds uh, to the Sabres. That to me was shocking. I, I was not expecting the Sabres to respond so quickly. But given the first period and how much energy they had, uh, I guess I, sh- I shouldn't I should really have been so surprised with how well they were playing in this game. Um, so Peyton Krebs instantly responds. The crowd goes quiet. Uh, after they just started, they were just about to cheer for uh, Kasha being, re- you know, how the announcers announce a goal. You know, it, it took the wind out of their sails for a bit. But then... Matthews gets his, I believe, that was his 45th at the time. He gets his 45th of the season. And again, the crowd's right back into it. And that goal was only a minute and 36 apart from Peyton Krebs's goal to tie it. So this second period was very, very action-packed. The second period had just in within two minutes almost, just a little over two and a half minutes, uh, these teams were scoring at will. It seemed like this was going to be a wide open game, maybe as open, not as open as the, the Toronto Detroit game, not a 10-7 game, but certainly maybe like a a 4-3 game, maybe 4-2 game by the end of the second. Um, but quickly after that, they the teams sort of subsided. Toronto kept their lead uh, two to one for, I believe, about eight more minutes or so. Uh, Toronto was doing a good job of keeping that lead kind of bringing the Buffalo's chances down in that second period. Um, and, and, and I thought the Leafs looked good until Vinnie Hinnestroza scored. Vinnie Hinnestroza scores to make a 2-2. And, you know, you, you're thinking to yourself like, okay, Peyton Krebs has scored and so has Vinnie Hinnestroza. If you're Toronto, you're probably not expecting those guys to score. You're maybe expecting um, Rasmus Dahlin. Maybe Dylan Cousins, Jeff Skinner, Tage Thompson, those bigger names on Buffalo that have that have had actually really good seasons. So you, to see Vinny Hinestroza and Krebs on that score sheet, you're probably a little worried that the Maple Leafs are giving up goals to those players. Um, but uh, you know the the Maple Leafs have have quite an offense, or at least on paper they have quite an offense to be able to respond. Um, and Hinestroza's goal, um, it made it two-two, and, and like I said, it kind of took the wind out of out of Toronto there. And uh, I, I I wouldn't say that that was the dagger. Uh, I wouldn't say that Vinny Hinestroza's first goal was the dagger. It actually ended up being his second goal. That was the dagger. Uh, Vinny second goal. I don't know if anybody's seen it. If you haven't seen it, I would encourage you to watch it. Um, this is basically not the start of my Peter Morazic take. I'll say that for until after the game is, is uh, reviewed. But if you look at that shot that can't go in, that cannot go in. If you're a goaltender, uh, Vinny Henestrosa basically gets it on the red line, on the goal line. And he's pretty much on the boards. You know, he, he's not, it's not like a close shot. It's a pretty far away shot. And he just flings it right on net. And it goes right off of Morazic and into the net. And he wasn't hugging the post there. Um, and What's what's very odd to me is I, I've been listening to a lot of, uh, you know, people on Peter Morazic. And I know I said I wouldn't go into the rant for Peter Morazic, but I'm just going to bring up this one point because I think it's very important. And a lot of goals that he gives up, it seems like he doesn't know where the posts are. Uh, I, for, and for whatever reason, I, I don't get why he can't locate the the posts i feel like if you're going to be a an nhl goalie you have to know where your posts are very similar to a a a soccer goaltender where you know if if you're too far over to one side or you're too far over to the other side a player is just going to absolutely torch you for that and and score on you every time so you got to be able to know where your your posts are and and locate yourself to a post uh when you're faced with a shot especially the one that went in for Vinny Hennestrosa. All Peter Mrazek needed to do was put his body up against that post, and that's not going in. But that, to me, was Toronto's dagger. I really, feel, I really felt like that was Toronto's dagger in this game. Once that goal went in, I almost felt like the game was over for Toronto, but I didn't want to count them out um, because they, they were having quite a, a good period. They, they outshot the Sabres 18 to 18-9 in that period. So they came right back in that second period with a lot. They threw a lot on uh, Anderson and uh, they did what they needed to do. They had a good, good second period. They couldn't keep their leads, but, you know, neither team really in this period could keep a lead. So, you know, a, a good response for Toronto, it's it's uh, 2-2, I believe, going into the third or, or 3-2 going into the third. I forget if Vinny this was a third period goal, but regardless uh the third period was was if you're a leafs fan um you know hindsight is 2020 you weren't expecting a third period like that but it it was not a good period by by the toronto in any means and if you saw that coming you probably wouldn't have uh you you probably wouldn't have kept watching knowing that that was going to be the uh the way it went um because toronto just did not seem like they could really respond to Buffalo's energy, and, you know, like I said, they seem to play really well behind Anderson for whatever reason. They just seem to have a lot of momentum when Anderson's in that. Uh, anytime he gives up a goal, I feel like players go to him. You know, they say it's my fault or don't worry about that one. We'll get another one for you. So that kind of played into it, um, and I also think that Don Granado of the Buffalo Sabres, their new head coach, I really feel like he has catered to a lot of the young players on this team that Ralph Krueger hasn't, when Ralph Krueger was the head coach, Skinner was on the fourth line with, you know, Vladimir Soboka and, you know, Johan Larson. And, you know, obviously he's not going to produce when he's on a wing of those guys. He, he's just not producing. Um, I think last year he finished the season with 18 goals. Uh, And now this season he's he could possibly hit the 30 goal mark. Um So. I really feel like Ralph was a, a hindrance to the Sabres. Sorry, excuse me. The Sabres players in general. Um, Cousins looks really good. I think Dalene has drastically improved um, from just last season. Uh, again, Ralph Kruger, I feel like, really did some damage on, uh, you know, Dalene and the young core of that team. But now they, they seem to have rebounded. Um, Really quickly, I actually pulled up uh, Jeff Skinner's stats, and according to last season, he was he had only seven goals. And then the previous year, when Ralph Kruger was with, with was with us, he had fourteen goals. Uh, keep in mind that was within fifty three games and fifty nine games. Uh, he's been through fifty eight uh, games this season. He has already twenty three goals. Um, so so that's a good sign to see if you're a Buffalo fan. I'm going to quickly look at Dalene. Um, because I feel like Dalene was another player that really struggled under Ralph Kruger, but has seen a, a an improvement um, in his game since uh, Ralph Kruger left. And it, it, it does kind of show he had, in the 2019 2020 season, he played 59 games, four goals, 36 assists for 40 points. In 2020-2021, he had five goals, 56 games played with 18 assists for 23 points. And this season, he's already almost passed his totals uh, for the 2020 season. He has 58 games, played eight goals, so he doubled in uh, goals from 2019-2020 with 29 assists for 37 points. So in order to beat his you know, stats from Ralph Kruger's time, he just needs to get three more points and he would tie it, four more to have you know, uh, a higher point total than his, his season with Ralph Kruger. So, you know, I, I'm really enjoying uh those two. And then another guy I really want to get into real quick, and then we'll get back to the game. Uh, cause I really I really do want to hammer this uh point that uh, for whatever reason I, I don't think that uh Ralph Kruger was utilizing his young players and developing them into uh uh the the players that they need to be we have Tage Thompson, who's having a career year this season. Um, in the 2020-2021 season, he had 38 games, played eight goals, six assists for 14 points. And again, that was Ralph Krueger's, uh, I believe that was his last season. Um, and then in the 2019-2020 season, he played one game. So I, I won't really count that. He had no points. Uh, so just from last year, he's already drastically improved. He's played 56 games. He has 24 goals. 20 assists for 44 points, Um, and it's just crazy to me how a coach can can make that difference, you know. And Don Granato, I think, is a coach that, um, for those of you guys who don't know, he really allows those young players to to express themselves more, to be able to play their style more. Uh, Whereas Ralph Kruger was a very defensively oriented uh, head coach, and you know it showed because not a lot of those guys I just mentioned had very many goals and they were our top uh well besides Darlene they were our top scorers you know and, and those guys weren't producing uh but now they are and it's really good to see that so I'm I'm glad Don Granado is is the coach behind the Sabres because I really feel like he creates an environment where those young players can express themselves play a different game playing a more offensively minded game and you know be free on the ice rather than having to 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 play such a condensed, such a defensive oriented, uh, game. So going into it again, the third period, uh, you know, this expect this period to basically, uh, Toronto is, is going to press, you know, they're only down by one, I believe. So they're, they're really going to press the Sabres to try and tie that game really early too. Um, but I, I think that Buffalo did a good job of, of, you know, preventing that. And, um, you know, I, I, I just—it's a struggle to watch Toronto sometimes because I really feel like they try to look for too much. They try to look for too much, and they just try to do too much. Um, Matthews and Marner, I think, can be guilty of the perfect pass, the perfect shot all the time. So when they when they have really good opportunities, they almost always pass up on it for that perfect shot, for that perfect pass and it, it it begins to hurt them uh and what really ended up killing them was Krebs second goal of the game to make it four two very odd peculiar um scenario it was it was very weird at first what ends up happening um is sabers get possession of it in the uh in the leaf's defensive zone they pass it in front of the net And as Morazic is kind of setting himself up, he he hits the post and he knocks the net off. Peyton Krebs shoots the puck. It trickles in. And again, immediately it was called no goal by the ref. But the officials get together. They talk it out. Um, I don't believe they reviewed it. I could be wrong. I was watching. I don't think they reviewed it. I think it was just a talk. And they eventually ended up rewarding it a goal. Uh, And the reason that they awarded it a goal was the fact that Mrazic had no reason to um, dislodge the net. You know, there was no, there was nobody in front of him pushing him into the net. There wasn't, uh, you know, a Sabres player didn't try to come around the net and knock it off or run into it. You know, nobody in his vicinity had the capabilities of knocking the net off. It was simply just him. And again, I just really want to quickly go back to, it almost seems like he doesn't know where his posts are um, I mean, some may some may say that he knocked on the post purposely. So that way, uh, either the play stopped or, you know, a shot that went in wouldn't count. Whatever the case may be, um, he knocks the, the posts off. And I'm, I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, again, the third goal for Buffalo, Vinny's first goal can't go in. And this fourth goal, you know, arguably probably worse than, the, than Vinny's first goal. Just th- that can't go in. It's, it's not the fact that it kind of trickles through. It's just the fact that you dislodge the net, and it, it was not really even a, a, a tough shot to stop. You know, he was, if you look at it, he's pretty much square with Peyton Krebs. You know, there's, and obviously it was a very quick pass to Krebs, so Morazic didn't have a lot of time to set up, but he's square with him the whole time. There's no screen. He shoots and he scores to make it 4-2. And again, that to me, I just knew the game was over at that point. Um, I felt like Toronto lost a lot of momentum, and they started to get frustrated, Um, especially, you know, Matthews. Um, And that transpires when Matthews actually, uh, what started that whole brawl between, not a brawl, but that whole scrum between um, Matthews and Darlene is earlier in the game, Matthews lays a big hit on Darlene. And Darlene gets up. He doesn't like the hit, so his response to the hit is you know he he kind of pushes Matthews first into Anderson, and then they're kind of going back and forth. And then it escalates, and of course Matthew takes his his stick and he cross checks, um, he cross checks right in the head, uh, and and clearly he he overstepped here. Clearly he crossed the line. Uh, I think everybody knew at that point that the league was going to look at. Uh, this play, and and you know either determine a fine or they would suspend him. And you know, lo and behold, they ended up suspending him for two games, um, which which I honestly was expecting a fine because Matthews has had no history; he's never been suspended before, and you know he, he's he's a very He's a very relatively clean player, so I was kind of shocked that they gave him a suspension, um, because Darlene also wasn't injured on the play. So, um, just kind of obviously, I think it's just the NHL sending a message that, you know, if you cross check somebody in the head, you're going to be suspended no matter who you are. So that's a good precedent to send. Excuse me, that's a good precedent to send to the rest of the league uh, that no matter who you are, if you cross check somebody in the head, whether or not you injure the player, you're going to be suspended. Uh, which, you know, I, I thought that was good to see. But to go more into it, um, I, I really feel like this was the frustration of Matthews when he he went into this game. Like I previously mentioned, in that Arizona game that they lost in overtime, uh, there was a play that he thought he was interfered with. Uh, they don't end up calling it, and play goes down to his side of the ice, and the Coyotes win. So he was definitely frustrated from that point. I think it transcended into this game, especially with uh, how Toronto was playing at that point, you know uh, and and the other thing too is is Buffalo had beat Toronto earlier in the month. I believe it was March second that they beat Toronto five to one in Toronto. You know, so for whatever reason, um, Toronto just can't seem to beat those teams like Arizona, Buffalo, uh, Montreal, at least in their latest uh, skids. They, they can't seem to beat those teams. And the frustrating part is you, you should be able to beat those teams. Um, you know, Buffalo and, and Toronto and, and Montreal, when you look at the standings, uh, you know, those are teams that are bottom, bottom feeders. And, you know, you, you got to make sure that when you play those teams, you get two points out of it. Uh, the, last, the, the last two games against um, Buffalo, Toronto had a possibility of gaining four points at the very maximum. And they ended up going and getting zero points out of both of them. So you you can't do that when you're expecting um, to to make a a divisional spot in the playoffs. Uh, They currently still are the third team in the Atlantic Division as I'm looking at it. Um, But Boston is not far behind them. They're only two points behind Toronto. And they have the same amount of games played. So they're very, very close in that department, it's possible that if, you know, Toronto starts struggling down the road. But, uh, but yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because, uh, both Toronto and and Boston are behind one another. And it's possible that Toronto could again see themselves being a, a a wild card team, and I I don't think that they I don't think that they should. I really don't. Uh, I I believe that Boston is going to be a wild card team this season, and they should be because uh, they just don't have the production that they've they've had in previous years. And Toronto should be able to get that third divisional spot. Um, and and they could even you know I'm actually looking at the stats now. They're only a point behind Tampa, so there's a high chance that they can even make that second spot, but if they don't, you know, if they can't beat teams like Buffalo, Arizona, and Montreal, you're gonna you're gonna start. That, that's gonna be a big issue, and you're gonna struggle against uh, making those that that second spot. Um. Yeah. So that pretty much wraps up the game. Uh, Buffalo ended up getting a uh, empty net from Tage Thompson off of a very. Uh, I believe it was a puck that goes down into the zone. Um, it was a six on five at this point. It was kind of weird. So the the Sabres, uh, real quickly, the Sabres get a power play from the Matthews cross check. Um, but then the Sabres, I believe, took a penalty during that uh, power play that they had. So they were four on f- four on four for a bit. And then the Sabres ended up taking another penalty to make it four on three. And at this point, being down two with maybe, I think it was about 334 left in the game, Toronto decides to pull the goalie. So they're five on three now. Um, but then Daleen gets out of the uh, box. So it ends up being like a. Uh, a f- Actually, sorry. Daleen, they're, they're my bad. I was completely wrong. Daleen and Matthews go for, you know, Matthews went for cross checking. I think Daleen went for roughing or something. So it was four on four then. Then the Sabres took a penalty to make it four on three. uh, And then that's when they pulled their goalie to make it five on five on three. So my bad, the first scenario was all wrong. It must've been a different dimension, different reality that I was thinking about, but that's how it ended up being a five on three, because when uh, the penalties expired, then it was a six on four. Um, But yeah, when, when the net was empty, uh, I believe Matthews goes down at one point um, to get the puck behind the net. And he's thinking that Willie Nylander was on the uh, boards when he was in fact towards the center of the ice. Uh, so he flings that puck around, thinking that Willie Nylander is there. He's not there, and he's trying to bust his his uh, trying to bust his ass to the to the blue line to keep it in, and he does. But as he tries to shoot it back in, he completely whiffs. Tage Thompson makes a nice self pass off the boards to make it five to two, and that ended up being the uh, The final score in this one. Um, So again, it it was very frustrating if you're a Leafs fan to watch that game because, you know, you you can't lose to a team like that. Um, You know, those are teams that you need to beat. Looking at the standings, Buffalo is 27th overall, Arizona is 30th, and Montreal is 32nd. So, you know, Toronto needs to be able to pick up two points from those teams if they want to make that second spot in the Atlantic and if they can't make the second spot, at least keep their third spot in the Atlantic and not become a wildcard team. Um, real quickly, I wanted to get into uh, some quotes after the game. Uh, specifically, I want to show you a quote by uh, Sheldon Keith on Peter Morazic's performance. Uh, he's quoted saying, I thought Peter was good. He made some saves today. It's not an easy environment to play in, especially for a goalie. I thought he made saves and was good. Obviously, the third goal is a tough one for us, but there is nothing he can do on the first one or the second one that we put in our own net off funny bounce. Uh, That is actually correct. Yeah, Vinny Vinny Henestros' first goal, forgot to mention, uh, I believe goes off of TJ Brody and into the net. Um, He's kind of coming around behind the net. He just throws it in front and it goes off of Brody in. So I forgot about that. And then on the fourth goal, it is a pass out. The net is off and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's funky, funky fourth and a couple of goals that they give up here. But um, it was crazy. And then he continues saying for himself, some funky goals were happening around him. But I thought he looked solid. All things considered with the environment, everything like that. I I do see his point. Um, It was it was an afternoon game. I believe it started at four. So the sun is still out by that time. Uh, and in the third period, they decided at the halfway mark to switch sides. That way, neither goaltender had to look at the sun um, the whole game. You know, both both goaltenders would have an even amount of not looking at the sun just as much as they wouldn't. So, I, Peter, Peter Mraz, it's very tough. You know, everyone likes to mention how Toronto has a goaltending problem. Um, you know, goaltending's not good enough. The stats certainly show that they aren't good enough. But at the same time, you know, I I really feel like it's it's also defense. I feel like defense and goaltending go hand in hand, whereas if one's not good, the other's not going to be good. You know, if you don't have good defense, you're going to have pretty bad goaltending. If you have bad goaltending, you're going to have bad defense. And I would just say that Toronto has does have good goaltending. I, I do think Jack Campbell is a really good goaltender. You know, he, in the beginning of the season, for about the first half of the season, he was putting up some Vesna numbers. Uh, and then he just starts to struggle when the new year starts. And same with Peter Morazic. Um, but a good point that Andy brought up to me when I was mentioning this was uh, Peter Morazic went from Carolina to Toronto. And, uh, you know, Carolina has a really good solid defense. But they also have a really good goaltending coach. Um, you know, they've really turned Freddie Anderson around in in Carolina so far, at least. To the point that I think he's got to be the Vesna Trophy winner. P, um, Anderson does, um, because besides safe percentage, he I think is the best goaltender out there, um, and he's consistent night in and night out. Uh, so, for whatever reason, uh, I, I think that Peter Mrazek has struggled in in Toronto, Uh, and I believe it's a mixture of, you know, just his performance in general, but also on the defense, Um, because how many years have we been talking about Toronto's defense and needing to improve? I mean, we're getting to a point where we sound like broken records when we talk about their goaltending, um, or or about their defense, rather. Uh, They don't have a really number one guy. Um, Morgan Riley is definitely showing signs of, I wouldn't say age, but that guy can only do so much for Toronto and he could be the he can only do so much for them and play as best as he can until somebody else has to pick up that load for him. You know, he is their number one defenseman, and he can't do everything on defense. You know, he can't score all the time. I'm not saying that he doesn't score all the time. It's just he can't score all the time, he can't defend all the time, he can't do a lot of things every time. You know, somebody has to lighten that load for him. And Toronto has struggled to find that person to help him out. It's not Justin Hull. It's not uh, Rasmus Sandin. It's not any of those guys. Um, and they need to find somebody because if they don't, you know, Toronto's still just going to have a defense problem that they've had for almost a decade, I feel. Uh, so that that's basically it on my Peter Morazic um, rant. It wasn't really a Peter Morazic rant because I, I don't think that, any of this is his problem. Obviously you lose as a team, you win as a team. Um, so when anybody says they have a goaltending problem, it's like, it's, it's just the team in general is a problem. Uh, you know, putting up two goals against Buffalo, you're going to lose that game. If you can only put up two against Buffalo, it's not that Buffalo is going to put up a five against you every time or three or two or four. But if you can only score two goals a game, you're not, you're likely just not going to win the majority of your game. So you got to make sure that you can put the puck in the net. Uh, you got to make sure you can defend better. You got to make sure you can make saves. You know, it's all there as a team for them to to improve upon. And uh, I really think that, that uh, you know, going forward, Toronto just needs to kind of put this behind them. You know, start from scratch. You know, forget about the winner. Forget about the, the Heritage Classic and just move on from it. Um, they They should be getting Jack Campbell back into the roster and to the lineup soon. So, you know, hopefully when he comes back, he'll be well rested and be able to start more. And then on the flip side, uh their their goaltender that they had in last night, I believe his name was um Cal Green, or I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I believe it's Cal Green. He ended up getting a shutout in his first game as as a as a Leaf. So, you know, it's good to see if you're a Leafs fan, um, because goaltending has probably been your major concern, and they keep talking about how um uh, Toronto is likely to get a goaltender at the deadline, whether that's Flurry or Holtby or somebody. Uh, it's likely that they they could possibly end up with it, with with getting them. But again, I I just don't know. Um, Toronto I feel like has more problems than just defending and uh, not defending. They have more problems than just goaltending and defense in general that need to be improved upon. Um, Going into the Sabers, they had obviously the the better result out of this, and I, I wanted to pull up a uh, a quote by Dalene real quick because I think this this goes into what I was saying about Don Granato uh, earlier in this cast about how he just resembles a, a good coach for a young player. Uh, His quote is, you can really see we're brothers in the locker room. We care about each other. We have something really good going on. Everyone wants to win together, and it's fun to be a part of, for sure. Um, Obviously, the Sabres are not in a playoff position. They're not even close to the playoffs. Um, This team was expected to lose a lot of games. This team was expected to probably compete for the number one overall pick. Um, So, you know these games especially towards the end of the season are more for just go out there have some fun maybe play some spoiler uh and just improve upon yourselves you know be better than the last game that it's the little things uh you know cuz they're they're not playing for a position they're not pushing for the playoffs so you know at this point in the season just go out there have some fun and you know build some team chemistry and and they they definitely have Um, I I really like the way that the Sabres look um, as far as chemistry goes. They all seem to get along. All the players seem to get along. Um, I I, I truly don't know if Eichel was a problem. I I truly don't know if he was a locker room problem with the Buffalo Sabres. Um, I felt myself not believing those rumors when they came out. Uh, But you got to look at this locker room now. They seem a lot more loose. They seem a lot more friendly with one another. And I, I I, I don't really know if they were like that when Eichel was around. So it, you know it, it's good to see that uh, this team is is, uh, is is more loose and and you know like Donnelly said it's it's fun to be a part of you know it's a fun team to be a part of and it's it's hard it's hard to have fun when you lose all the time but uh, I, I think the Heritage Classic was probably a, a good uh, game for them to be a part of you know they're going out there again they they're not expected to win this game this isn't a game that they must win in order to keep their playoff hopes alive. It's an outdoor game that everybody wants to be a part of. Uh, I know how much the players look forward to being in an outdoor game, whether that's the Winter Classic, the Heritage Classic, or any other outdoor game that there is. I know the players love being a part of it. So, in uh, the, the Sabers certainly showed, like, they had a lot of fun with it. Um, both teams went with a theme for the outdoor game. And um, the Leafs went as construction workers. They all dressed up as construction workers. Then the Sabres went as, um, I believe they're Tropic Thunders, the name. I could be wrong. Um, I also think it's the movie with uh, Will Ferrell. Oh, my gosh. I'm forgetting it. I'll look it up real quick. But they, they went dressed as those players uh, from the movie. And they just seem to have a lot of fun with one another. Um, semi-pro, that's the movie I'm thinking of. God, I found it. So they all dressed up as semi-pro um, players with their uh, Flint Tropics jerseys, and they looked really good. It actually looked like a lot of fun uh, to be a part of. Um, so I'm glad to see that the Sabres are, are having a lot of fun and, and being able to enjoy their time with one another and, and just you could see it uh, because as bad as this team is, they really do play the, the good teams well. Uh, like I said, their last three wins were against Toronto earlier in the month. They were against Minnesota and they were against Vegas. Those are good teams. All those teams are in a playoff position. Uh, yes, they've lost to teams that are not in playoff positions. Uh, but they seem to do well when they're playing a really good team. Uh, so I have to give Buffalo and Don Granado more so a lot of credit for that. Um, because I, I don't feel like they felt like this when Ralph Kruger was the coach. So... With that being said, that's all I have to say about the uh, Heritage Classic. Uh, If you guys watched it, I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. It was a lot of fun. Um, I I really wish that the NHL would do a lot more outdoor games, but, uh, you know, they only do so much. uh, So you have to enjoy the ones that they do do. Um, Wrapping it up, like I said, uh, me and Andy will be doing a weekly supplement this week as well. Um, Expect that later in the week. Uh, obviously I'm not going to spoil the team that we're, we're doing it on, but it's, you're going to like the team that we pick. Um, I know I'm going to really enjoy it. Andy and I have, I wouldn't say Andy does, but I, I have an opinion, not a strong opinion, but I definitely have an opinion of this team. And, uh, I've had an opinion for that team for a little bit. Um, so it'll be a fun episode to do for sure. Um, but other than that, I've been Nick, like I said, Good to be back, good to do an episode finally, um, and I can't wait to do the weekly supplement ones. Um, again, I should be able to start participating when the playoffs come around. That'll be a lot of fun. I love watching playoff hockey, so I'll definitely make time uh, to watch some hockey so I can come on the cast with Andy and we can review the playoffs like we did uh, last year. And Last year, a lot of people seem to like the episodes that we did. We had a lot of viewership on those episodes, so I can't wait to do them again. But uh, otherwise, you know, as always, uh, enjoy your day. Enjoy the games. Um, hope everyone's doing well. I know you haven't heard from me in a while, but I'm doing fine. I'm doing well. Uh, just school's my number one priority, which, which stinks because I do enjoy doing the podcast. But, uh, yeah, you know, things are going well for me. I hope they're going well for you. Um, everyone take care. And as always, peace out.